0: Ever since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I love engaging with my audience with the Q&A and the polls. And I also love the fact that I can upload my video podcast onto Spotify because I know my audience love watching it sometimes when they're traveling on their commute. I highly recommend you give it a try. And you can download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com forward slash podcasters to get started. Hi guys, and welcome back to Emma Mind. Today, I'm really excited to introduce you to my next guest. She is the semi-finalist of MasterChef and a private chef to celebrities. So please welcome Nisha Palmer.
1: So hi oh, Nisha. Well, thank you, thank you What a lovely introduction. Thank you. That's true, right? <laughs> I didn't make any of it up. you <laughs> hear it back, it always sounds even, even nicer. So thank you. Yeah, okay, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, just juggling loads of things. You know, we've got um, Christmas coming up and then the schools and you know, just got loads and loads of bits going on, but um, yeah, I'm in a good place.
0: Well, I'm really excited to talk to you today. I feel like we've connected for ages and we recently met, which is really nice. So um, I'm really excited for this conversation. But for people who don't really know who you are or your background, just tell us a
1: little bit about yourself. Um, Sure. So I'm a, you know, not a classically or professionally trained chef at all. Um, Mm -hmm. My life has got like two chapters, I'd like to say. I almost feel like I was reborn after MasterChef because for 20 years I've spent um, time in the city. I mean, that sounds like a prison sentence, doesn't it? It's my (laughs) time. But Almost, it was like being handcuffed to a desk, um, you know, in a, in a job that I started off doing because I didn't know anything else and I thought, yeah, this is this is great, you know, it kind of paves the way to get on the property ladder, it was like a solid job, but cutting a long story short, 20 years um, in banking, go on Master Chef, kind of changed my life and I set up um, a business on my own and I've never looked back. It's,
0: it's crazy. I mean, when I spoke to you, I remember one of the first things I asked and I'm sure people listening and watching this are thinking... Why did you apply to be your master chef? You know, if you if you didn't have such a great, um, I mean, if you didn't train professionally to be a chef or, um, you know, you weren't cooking all the time because you were working
1: so much in the city, kind of what pushed you to do that? Oh, absolutely valid question. You know, I never thought, um, especially from the Asian culture, that food or cooking, you know, you can get paid from it. I didn't think it was a right. career. But, like, you know, when you're looking at careers or, you know, you're picking your A-levels, like there's never a food tech career or, you know, it just isn't mm. even in syllabus like you just don't do that it's just something you do for fun right Um, so it was actually my husband who works for himself um, he used to come home every day so excited about his day you know with spring in his step oh I did this today I did that day. Mm. how was your day and I'd go don't ask me the same as yesterday I just Mm. became a really sort of miserable horrible person to be around before work after work on a Sunday you know that classic kind of trap of just Mm. just existing but not really knowing what was wrong I remember I think one time even saying I think I need another baby. And he's like, you want that for Matley to get away from work? I'm like, actually, I think I do. And that's when I thought, gosh, there's a real problem. I need to um, really assess this. But I didn't have any way out. I was, I was, you know, in a box. All I knew was finance. You know, you, you do get pigeonholed. And so my husband was like, find a new job, you know, go somewhere else. And I was like, I can't. It'll just be finance. I was just like, this is my life. I had, you know, I, I don't see any way out. Feel The feel, uh, feeling of trapped, um, yeah, came into it. So um, yeah, then my husband just mm-hmm. said, um we always watched MasterChef, every single year, and as a joke, he always just said, you should go on here, you should go on here, and I said, yeah, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever, I, I, you know, no way am I going on here, crazy have people go on there, well, to get my food assessed, and if they tell me it's rubbish, I'll never go again, I used to say to him, um, and I think it was that confidence thing as well, if they told me, like, I did it for enjoyment, so, um, and I, I, I thought, no, I'm not good enough to go on there, Right. anyway, it got to the point where he really pushed me to go on it, it was, it was my husband. Totally. He, he, he We got to the point where he was like, you, you are just not a nice person to be around. You need something to change. Go on this. I took it as a joke. He sort of started filling in the application form. Mm-hmm. Um, I finished it off and submitted it literally after a few glasses of wine. I took it as a complete joke, thinking I'm not going to get on it. I don't care about it. This is just to shut him up. And then I got on. So yeah. It's that, crazy.
0: Pretty much. It's crazy. And I think what's so, when I'm listening back to your story, every time I hear it, I think this is something from a movie. It's, it's obviously not real, you know, like your journey is so oh. spontaneous and exciting. and You know, you filled it out after a couple glasses of wine. But what really actually um, stood out to me when you were telling me that was just the power of having the right people around you. Um, and I think that having someone like a partner or a friend or a parent or whoever it is, just having a right group of friends or that circle around you that will support you and push you and also just allow you to grow. So, you know, your husband could have turned around and just said, you know, you're miserable to be around. Uh, I don't want to be around you. I'm distance myself from you. But... actually recognizing that what's the deeper thing here it's actually your work so how can we change that and so that to me is really amazing and I think something that people definitely underestimate is your support to your friend your partner your daughter your son whoever it is is so invaluable and can really change the direction of their life and I love that about your story so then tell me so you went on MasterChef and then did you go back to work or did you just
1: start cooking full-time yeah, well, no, that's when it ends. You get kicked out and you don't get given anything. People think you might be given all these opportunities and you know you right. don't get any given anything. You're like, Okay, thank you very much, goodbye. And that is the end. And you think, Oh my god, I've just done that for like almost three two to three months of my life. It's completely taken over and now, now what? And then I was like, Oh my goodness, I'm sat back in the same place I was before. And I sat back in my seat and more than ever I realised, you know, my soul was dead sitting there. I was like, What am I doing here? I do not belong here. Something needs to change. Um and, and that's when the realization was, yes, I, I need to build something to get out of here. But again, I couldn't because I was trapped by, I, I hate using that word trapped, but almost like, um, you know, I, I didn't have a way out because, yeah, money. At the end of the day, I was, I, I had, that job was my security. That was my yeah. home, my mortgage, you know, just, just the basics. Um, so, um, yeah, so now that, there was two factors in this. And yes, I've done master MasterChef. Now, what what do I do with it? Mm -hmm. like you have no idea like I was like I don't really want to work in a restaurant right because I have kids and that's long hours and what else do you do with food I mean you think of like oh a chef you work in a restaurant there's no other what what other careers are there I didn't Mm -hmm. know what what else I could do um and so after that um while I sat there every single day just thinking about how to get out of there um, it, it was a little bit of a fate sort of moment. The banker that sits next to me sort of said, "Oh, I've got these, um, you know, guys coming around. We're all in the same regiment. You know, we're marching at Buckingham Palace tomorrow, but we want a dinner before we go there. So, mm-hmm. will you be able to cook for me?" And I was like, "Uh, yeah, okay." <laughs> I've never done that before. I had never cooked for sixteen people. You know, like a posh dinner yeah. in Chelsea for these like high, you know, th- these soldiers almost. You know, from, from with a royal, you know, regiment. You know, I was like. And I just did that, and I think that's one of the best things I ever did because I said yes and dealt with it later. Right. Like, just take the opportunity, and sometimes and, and that fear and that sort of you, you'll just make it work. So um, that's where my sort of pinnacle moment was that first dinner party where I had no clue what to do, how to put on a dinner party, anything, and just took that opportunity, mm. went home, told touching my husband, yeah, and you just do it. He goes, you'll do it. And then I just started planning it from there. And um, I think that's how it was born. So what's so crazy is that you just came on
0: MasterChef. You were a semi-finalist, right? And even with getting all this praise and all these people supporting you, because I remember you telling me everyone at your bank was supporting you. You had a lot of people around you that were saying, you know, you're amazing. And also you were on TV and they were telling you your cooking was amazing. But yet you still had the imposter syndrome when someone asked you to cook for a dinner party. And I think that's so relevant with any entrepreneur in any business, is that you'll always feel the imposter syndrome. Do you still feel that now?
1: Uh, yes, I, I do. Uh, not so much, but I definitely... Mm-hmm. It, I always have bounce of that, but I use it in a positive way to keep mm-hmm. me grounded. I don't think it's such a bad thing if you can recognise it and just go, kick, you know, pull yourself mm-hmm. together, come on, and, and turn it into a positive. Mm-hmm. I think those little moments are just reality and a way of not letting you you know, um, sort of, get yeah, not even big-headedness, but kind of, like, get arrogant and become, like, un- like, like less grateful for it. Absolutely. It kind of makes you think, and it keeps you going and works, it makes you work harder. So if you can turn that imposter syndrome, all that energy, that all that negative energy into something positive, the minute I get that, I think, right, how can I, what can I do about this?
0: Um, um, I think you only really get imposter syndrome when it's something that you care about, right? So if you didn't care... You wouldn't feel, oh, I'm not good enough, or I'm not, I'm not going to be the best, or I need this to be amazing. You would just think, okay, I don't, really, I'm not really that bothered. So, I think, like you said, when you turn it into a positive and you use it as something that's actually a point for you to think, what well, I do really care about this, and I really want to do well in
1: this, it shifts that perspective, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely, hundred percent does. And you know, it's a lot of passion, confidence, the right people around you. You do need all these elements. Um, you know to, to keep that at bay because yeah there is that other spectrum isn't there where it can go awesome. the other way and completely destroy you as well so you know I'm very aware of that mm-hmm. and I think um, being in a job before where you know that got me very low and down mm-hmm. I never mm-hmm. want to feel like that again so you kind of keep, you know um, keep yourself motivated not, not to go there but um, yeah even thinking about it now like I think that's one of the fears that I think if this doesn't work then my only option is to go back there and I never want to go back there. So we will make sure. Yeah, there's all these coping
0: mechanisms. Um, Absolutely. What's what's really interesting is that I think there's a lot of debate around social media and how toxic it is and how terrible it is. And, you know, I'm very grateful to it in a lot of ways because we wouldn't be here having this conversation if it wasn't for social media. Um, But at the same time, I do think it can be toxic. And having a business that is solely reliant on social media you know, my podcast is so, solely rely on social media, mm-hmm. can be detrimental. Do you feel that's the same with um, The Secret Garden or, you know, the recipes that you share on YouTube and Instagram as well?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's been the best platform. Like you say, I've set up my whole business from Instagram, you know, it's a free platform. However, now I am seeing ways of, although it's free, you've really got to play to their tune Um, and sometimes the pressures of just everyday life, like Mm -hmm. having to keep up with this algorithm and, you know, doing all the new things and you realise actually, yeah, it's great, but if you don't keep up with it, it can almost fall down and then you do get that whole rat race thing. You're almost in a rat race with this virtual world um which is the new new way of the world but um yeah you feel the pressure and it can be toxic toxically in the sense of you know i, I think i've built a very positive platform and I, I i'm so so lucky that i don't get trolled and i don't but i i know that that world exists um so i'm very careful of like what i put out there mm. and how i portray myself and i think being authentic and genuine you know that that mm. should come across as much as possible but you know little bits like, naturally like you know things like copying like I might have worked so hard on a recipe and then someone else might have just gone and copied it and put it Mm -hmm. on their Instagram and there's absolutely nothing I can do about it because I haven't got a paint and the recipe hasn't got any sort of copyright how can I say that's mine and sometimes you know you feel so angry and you want to call that person up and I think once or twice I might have said something like oh that looks very familiar to mine and they might have gone they react back and then you just end up looking stupid and you think there's just no point. Yeah. So sometimes you're like fighting these battles virtually, which are unnecessary. And now that's another thing I've really learned about social media is like if you're not a strong person and strong enough to handle not only criticism, but yeah, little things like that, copying, plagiarism, you know, you know, your work a little bit getting abused and wouldn't even say abused, but just, yeah, yeah. you can't handle those kind of elements of it. I, I don't think it's a place where... You, you should be because it can it can really impact on
0: um, definitely does everyone. I think I think social media has really impacted everyone's lives drastically um, and we're seeing a massive rise in mental illnesses from it so I think it should be used with caution and I think the the thing that's most important is you should just do things that are authentic to you so even with me sometimes I feel that even with this podcast you know generally people release them consistently and constantly unfortunately yeah. I'm unable to do that because I have a full-time job. I have two other businesses, so it's very hard for me to do this and this and this all at the same time. And I'm okay with that. You know, I may not be growing at the level that a lot of people think I should be or that compared to a lot of people that have a podcast are. But I'm very comfortable with the way that I'm doing it. And so that's what makes me happy. But it is very easy for me to say that in this position that I am right now, because there are days where I'm like, I should be posting every day, I should be churning out content every day, you know, I should just be talking about things that I don't really know a lot about, but at least I'm getting content about, and then I'm like, no, wait, no, I'm someone who wants to research into all of my podcast guests and research into the topic before I speak about it, so that I know that I'm having almost a coherent debate and argument around certain points, right? Um, But I think it is really hard to fall into that trap of, of comparison, and I think Through this platform, we just have to be really aware of it before we use it. And constantly follow accounts that make us feel happy. And I've done that recently. I've just unfollowed loads of people. I continuously do that, to be honest. I just unfollow people and mute their stories. If there's someone like a family friend that I have to keep on following, I just mute their stories because...
1: Just unnecessary noise, yeah, I absolutely. totally agree. It's unnecessary noise if it's not sort of fulfilling your life in a positive way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, then you don't need to see it, and it's just, yeah, it's just clutter, isn't it? Absolutely. And I think no, you make very really, very, very relevant points about that whole social media thing because I feel that sometimes as well. Like, I might not have posted in a month or something, but I think it's okay, and then suddenly I'll see someone else constantly posting. I'm like, Oh, am I supposed to? Should I be posting? You know, and, and who am I doing it for? You've really got to understand who you're doing it for. I'd rather post some content that's really useful or like really interesting or something I know my followers really appreciate like recently I just put a recipe out there because I knew they'd love that and I haven't posted a recipe in like a few months because I've been busy you know I've set up my uh, new business I've um, been working I've actually been getting on with real life work rather than virtual work although that does also feel like you know full-time work like doing the Instagramming Absolutely. But, yeah, trying not to get absorbed in this race although it is difficult and it almost does feel like a, a race or a competition and there's followers and there's all this sort of stuff and unless you can you know be okay with it like how you are you've got to make peace with it it's okay i'll post when i want to and you know it's for, who are you doing it for you've always got to ask that question are you doing it for followers or are you doing it for your own self-esteem what is it for who is it for no you're doing it to
0: help others and you're doing it to share some actually valuable content right exactly exactly
1: and I've really come to that conclusion that I'm only going to post when I'm really happy about po- like you know making that content because I loved making that content yeah. I'm really happy about posting that content not just posting for the sake of co- posting it has yeah. to be something I'm so proud about or yeah exactly no I
0: completely I completely agree one thing I find though about you which is amazing and also crazy is you have so many businesses and you're a mom of two so you know I think people who aren't moms like me very naive sometimes just think you have two kids like they go to school or you know they're at a nursery and that's it and recently I my cousin she has two kids and recently I spent a day with both of them and I was like how do you do it how do you not how do you get ready every morning how do you put on makeup how do you look nice how's your house clean how do you do everything I just I don't understand but you have two children and two businesses and Instagram and everything else, which I also think and you're not on social media and you don't have a big following on Instagram. You don't really get it. You just think, take a photo and upload it, right? Write a caption, take a photo, upload it. There's so much strategy, so much thinking, so much thought that needs
1: to go into it. Yeah. And you have all these other things at the same time. How do you cope? How do you manage? Oh, gosh. I, I think I am a little bit of an adrenaline junkie when it comes to you know, just being busy and doing and, you know, that's my fault actually, sometimes not staying still and just enjoying that moment, like, the only time I really reflect and sit back and go, okay, that was actually quite good, is when I actually take myself out of this, you know, little, um, yeah, rat race, I um, do that when I go on holiday, but the answer is, I think, being in a job before, which was just the same old groundhog day every single day, Mm -hmm. um, which was boring and not thrilling. Now I'm in, I've created this world, which I love. And I've got, I have, I've got everything. There's nothing that I I can't be grateful for. I have children. I, you know, they're healthy and I have a job. And I mean, it all sounds very cliche, but everything I have, I'm like, wow, I've got this tick, tick, tick. It's brilliant. I've got it. Um, you know, what else more could I, I want? And I think, um, when you have children, you realize the sort of precious amount of, Time, like every hour, how much you can fit into it. You just automatically. You thought you could juggle things before. Like I remember, like when I was at university, I thought, oh look, I can do a degree and I can have a Saturday job. Wow, yes. look at me, I'm so great. But you're, you're, you're really not. You kind of in one day, you know, there's twenty four hours and there's twenty four hours. You only need to spend seven sleeping. So what are you doing with the other the other hours? So if you're not making them count, I mean, you don't have to make them count, of course. But and I always set aside good for four hours, five hours, to do absolutely nothing. The power of doing absolutely nothing as well is so important. And one of my coping mechanisms is also being alone. I love my alone time. saying mm. Because <laughs> I'm always so switched on. Like, I run a business. I run a, you know, restaurant which is very... And people want to see me, and they want to talk to me, and they want to take a photo, and mm. they want a piece of me. Everyone wants a piece of me. You, you're on social media. Everyone wants a piece of you. They want to, you know, and, and sometimes you feel consumed by a little bit of social exhaustion. So. Of I'm always put like, once the kids have gone to sleep and I've done the whole, you know, dinner, bedtime, bath, book, homework, blah, blah, 8.39 o'clock, that is my time. And I, and I am, I'm a night owl, I'll stay up till, like, 12, 1 o'clock, just wow. being by myself, maybe doing rubbish, reading, you know, Instagramming or just watching rubbish TV. But mm. um, I think um, that I know that I can have that three, four hours of doing nothing in my time because all the other times I've been so productive. Awesome. And I think I do sort of kick myself when I think I had all that time. Why did I waste it? Oh, um, Yeah,
0: I think it's easy to think that time is wasteful if you're not being productive. And that's something that I've also learned as well, is that if you're not doing something 24-7, so I'm very similar to you. I love to cram in a million things in my day. In fact, I think I work only well when I have multiple things to do. Um, But I also, I think, on that opposite side, like you, need my alone time. So, you know, recently went to a wedding with my friends and we were all staying together. And we would all come back from the morning event and then everyone would come back to the apartment and everyone would sit downstairs. And I would genuinely sit alone for three hours upstairs. And they didn't take it offensively. And I think also having that boundary with your friends and them understanding you, they knew that, okay, Shemani needs her alone time.
1: Yeah, and then they wouldn't yeah.
0: they wouldn't ask me, they'd be like, Do you wanna come downstairs? We won't bother you because we know you like your yeah. own time. And that yeah. allowed me to refresh and then go back in the evening in the reception and talk to everyone again because I think often there's a misconception that you have to be an extrovert or an introvert. Like you're either or. There's just, just no no in the middle and people when they see me are like, You're obviously an extrovert. And I would say I am, but I also really need that alone time to be an extrovert and to be really talkative and to be really friendly. So I think it's really important to understand your own boundaries and then understand how they can help you with your businesses as well. Yeah,
1: totally. Oh, I love hearing that. And I sometimes (laughs) think it comes down to my star sign. Um, You know, I'm an Aquarius, and they say that, um, you know, anyone that puts, um, you know, um, a stamp on your not time or your freedom it's almost suffocating so for me someone else making plans for me and saying oh seven o'clock at Saturday can you be here? like yeah. that would freak me out yeah. I, I need to have I be, need to be so in control of my time and my diary yeah. other people making time almost like even if I can make it I'm like no hang on a second yeah. I, I need to make sure if I I, I need yeah, it to." Yeah. I, I don't know why that is but you sound quite similar to that I need I to be very in control of my time and how I'm going to use it and I don't want other people to control it for me so in a way lockdown for me I need did quite relish and I really really enjoyed it and I know that's not that's a bad thing to say but I'm going to admit it really was some good switch off time away from anyone else just Mm. to kind of really be in my bubble and yeah I I really did absolutely thrive on it yeah my mum's always saying something like you and your boundaries because all I ever say is
0: like this is my boundary (laughs) and she's always like all you ever talk about is your boundaries and I'm like I know because it's important to me and time is definitely one of those things um, so yeah, yeah I, I definitely agree with you. even though I'm Cancerian, so we're different we're different star signs, but it's interesting yeah. to hear that perspective. Yeah. One of the things that I think we haven't covered, and I think is so, so, so important, is you're a private chef, but when you left MasterChef, you didn't know that that was an industry you could go into, right? So what you said at the beginning was so powerful, cooking leads to being a chef or working in a restaurant. What's another alternative? And I think a lot of people, when they're starting a new business, or they're thinking of an idea, or they're passionate about something, think they can't turn it into a career, because the pathway that they've been been shown, they think that's the only one, right? So they only think that there's one pathway to something that they're passionate about. What you did was actually create your own. How did you do that? Because how did you, number one, think of the idea? And number two, how did you have the confidence to Mm -hmm.
1: execute on it? yeah it's an excellent question actually I, I do feel I look back and think gosh I did actually create my own job like an own career mm-hmm. I didn't realize it existed probably it did like you know but I've never come across really private chefs I mean you know it's sort of rich and famous I have private chefs I never mm-hmm. came across it um and then when I did my first dinner party um for, for my banker I did uh, you know I, I loved it I, I really um um Enjoyed it and thought, hang on, I've done this in my own time. I've done it on a Saturday and that's it. I don't have to do it again until I choose to do it again. Right. Um, and then it was um, a case of Instagram pictures, people going, oh, do you do this? Are you cooking dinner parties at home? I'm like, maybe I do. Okay, <laughs> should I do this? So then I just went for it every sort of few weeks. I sort of went and cooked for people because. To me, like, cooking for people at home, I was always like, oh, do you want to come round to eat? I used to always, no. you know, get my friends around, these, used to be like, oh, I knew she's going to cook for us. It was just a normal thing. I used to be like, oh, I'm doing what I normally do, mm-hmm. just packing it in a box, taking someone's house and doing it in their house and getting paid for it, you know, win-win. Um, and then I think the whole celebrity side came came about because, you know, sometimes you it's not a waste but you almost think oh 20 years like people say to me oh but you spent 20 years nearly 20 years in banking what a waste and I'm like no no not at all it's never a waste I learned so much yeah. and um all that grounded I had all that business acumen or wherever can lead me somewhere but this is how fate worked out so I looked after someone at UNICEF I looked after their account and then they sort of put me up and said you know we loved you on MasterChef would you be willing to come mm-hmm. and you know, work with us on Soccer Aid, which was all the footballers, all the, you know, the big Soccer Aid event that happens every single year, and I went, yeah, okay then, and if, so if I didn't burn my bridges, and I didn't work at that place, I wouldn't have got this contact for UNICEF, where mm-hmm. I went, designed this menu, and met Joe Wicks, um, um, so, amazing. The little, yeah, the little stepping stones of getting someone, never ever think that you're doing something, and it's such a waste of time, and, you know, it might not feel right at that time, but it's actually sort of it is, I'm a very sort of believer in fate and the universe and things guiding you and things being at the right place at the right time. And I really believe that was there to build me up and to have that confidence um, and to have that, you know, when you said approach these celebrities, how do I do that? How did I feel comfortable enough? Because for the last 17 years, my client base was the very high net worth individuals of the UK, like you know, in my 20s, going to millionaire, billionaire houses, you know, getting to go in helicopters and doing all these things that I did, I kind of like almost made myself a little bit immune to it because I thought, okay, this is that life. Great. I love seeing it. And I loved coming back to my little house and just having <laughs> my. You know, I remember once telling a billionaire about Nando's. He couldn't get over the concept. I was like, oh, I'm really nice. You get this sauce. I was like, you go up to the counter and he, he's like, oh my God, it sounds fascinating. And I said, I'll take you. And, you know, I, I then understood the beauty of them loving my life as well as me having an insight into their life and that sort of sort of relationship was so um endearing because it was both of us learning stuff from each other and yeah and I I was almost like I was never embarrassed about where I came from or and I think that's what they loved and I think just being myself um with them um they they of they, that, that's what was attracted to them. So when I when I go to celebrity houses now, um, it, it's so so it, it, it's honestly so enchanting that when they call me their friend, they all they they trust me now because they just know I am who I am, and I'm not trying to impress them because of their money or their place or their status. Nothing like that. It's because I just love to cook, and I always say to them because I go into their houses. These celebrities don't get to go to restaurants like me and you and have a meal, right. the whole meal without being interrupted. You know, I've created this sort of niche market of um, giving them the privilege of privacy. They're they're paying me for the privilege. So people almost say to me, oh, but you only cook for celebrities now. Yes, my major client base is celebrities because they realise that they could trust me. They can be in their own house, have Mm -hmm. as many glasses of wine that they want. They won't get packed. They can be with their famous brothers, sisters, you know, people around them, Mm -hmm. their friends who are famous. And... No one needs to know about it. And there are so many things that I haven't put on Instagram because of um, their privacy. And I, I just feel more than anything, okay, they're enjoying a meal, but imagine that, to have that privacy, something that we take for granted. So that's where Absolutely. I feel um, its it's been the most powerful for me. Yeah, so many, So many amazing points. I mean, I just want to pick out a couple of things.
0: So one of the things I think I'm hearing from a lot of entrepreneurs is, and I think I'm struggling with a little bit as well, is that you need to have everything figured out in the beginning. So what you've just said, very coherently, you've given uh, you know privacy element to the celebrities, you're now a private chef. How long did it take for you to kind of come up with the full picture? Because I think normally what happens, and I think you can back me up on this as well, in an Indian yeah. culture, when you have an idea, yeah. someone will say, well, tell me the five-year plan, tell me the goal, tell me exactly what you're going to do at every time and what I'm hearing from a lot of people is we don't know, you know, we don't have it all figured out. No. So what do you do? Because I know that when we spoke as well, you said, you know, you had a lot of resistance from people that were saying, you know, going into cooking. You know, that's that's not a reputable career. And no. a lot of the things right now that, you know, we get a lot of jobs with social media. And so as a younger generation, we understand the impact of it and how it can really Give us a salary. You know, we don't necessarily need, like we were talking about before, there's not only one avenue to making a career now or one avenue to making money. You don't have to be sitting at a desk nine to five and be being paid by an employer. You can actually be self-employed and do that yourself. So two questions there because I feel like I've modelled this up. No, no, one no, is, it's a great points. How do you have to, how do you uh, push yourself through that time where you don't have a clear picture? And number two, how do you deal with the resistance? Because when you're kind of building that picture you don't have that clarity so people around you may not necessarily support you
1: yeah um so the first point about you know that plan that's what I thought that you needed a plan but Mm -hmm. I have always kind of worked with the philosophy of whichever event dinner party or project or anything I do I look at it um, at the fresh eyes once I've done it how can I make it better next time Right. And I've always realized when I, have because the celebrities, I go back to their houses time and time again. I love it when they say to me, that was even better than last time. And they said, we thought last time you topped it, but this time was even better. So I love that almost challenge of how right. can I make it even better? There must be something. Okay. I didn't like this. I didn't like that. So recently I've now te- teamed up with a tablescape company because what I used to do is go into these houses and then they just have their tablecloth on there, maybe right. some flowers in the middle and that was it. And I was like, Something missing here. I need to create the whole atmosphere. I I, know I should be able to do that as well. So you know, I did that onto it. Even if it's dishes, whatever it could be. Every single time, I made it better. Even if it was like an Instagram reel or an Instagram video, or let me make it a bit better. How can I make it better? So I think it's it is definitely experience. Like whatever you've done last time. If you can improve on that somewhere, just completely dissect it and see how you can make it better. And sometimes you might not need to make it better. It's okay. If you consistency is always key in a lot of things, you know, exercise, food, you know, your job, career, consistency in in, in a lot of areas is where you should, you know, apply. But consistency gets you so far, but you know, consistency-driven improvement will get- I never sound too corporate. Sorry, that you can tell my corporate <laughs> basically sometimes not having that plan because you know that's what people say to me they're like what's next what's next i'm like i don't know i'll see what kind of happens and it does happen like that so you know recently i went to a dinner party and someone influential was there and organically they've been like will you come to my house and organically it's happened for me right and i know it doesn't always happen like that for people so it's okay, maybe have a short-term plan, and go, oh, it'd be nice to do this next month, mm-hmm. but if you're, if you're kind of like setting yourself for a five-year plan and say in three years you're nowhere near that, then you're almost going to feel like you've failed before you've started. Why set yourself such a big mountain to climb? Why not do these little increments and, you know, sort of pat yourself on the back when you when you get a, little, you know, a few steps of the way? So I think that's how I've sort of, um, you know, done it and um and i think sometimes people's expectations so leading on to the next questions people's expectation you're almost trying to satisfy others don't do that why why are you trying to satisfy what they expect of you i get it all the time oh Nisha, when you're going to have a book when you're going to be on tv when it and I, I just say to them it will happen when my time is meant to be like i really believe in the whole now i believe in the process yeah just just Enjoy the moment you're in. The minute you're completely chasing, chasing Mm -hmm. something else, you'll forget the purpose of why you're actually there. So try and, yeah, try and just believe the process. Of course have ambition. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, also try not to sort of fall into the traps of the expectation of others Mm because I think that's what we're always trying to do, impressing others. Just embrace yourself if you can to the, you know, and the nearest, nearest circle around you. Um, So yeah, your second question was, how um others can almost like it was it um take you down or like not believing you and yeah i think i
0: don't have
1: a clear picture so when someone says to you what are you doing
0: and you say i'm doing this and they're thinking well how are you going to make a career out of that
1: but that's their fears that's their that's their own sort of insecurities because they'll think to themselves how could you do that i could never do that it might not be a reflection on you sometimes people are Mm -hmm. saying things it's a reflection of them That's what I think.
0: Because they're scared
1: of it. But actually Mm -hmm. taking it back to like my dad, for example, that I know that's coming from a place of he is very concerned about me. It's not about him. So it depends who the person is. So for example, when I told my dad I'm leaving my job and I'm going to cook, he was like, What you're going to cater at weddings? What are you going to do? What's it gonna pay? Are you gonna you know what's gonna happen if you don't have enough it all came down to the basics of finance money because for them, success is money because they came from a very sort of uh, poor country. They didn't have the opportunities they were given here. I mean, to the basics of like, I think he was thinking to himself, but you're in a lovely air-conditioned office. You're going to go into a hot kitchen. I mean, you know, to him, it was like, I was up here and now I'm going to be manual labour. That whole, yes. you know, um, what's it called? The uh, What's that word I'm looking for? The um, the class, the status that, you know, right. it was almost not prestigious enough. Right. Oh, honestly, um, so to the point where he didn't tell anybody I was going on MasterChef. It was oh only when he was on his computer at work. He's a, he was an accountant, he is, um, on the computer behind him. There must have been like uh, colleagues at the back, you know, coffees, you know, discussing. Did you see MasterChef last night? Oh, there's this girl on there. Did you see? She made an Indian English breakfast. It was amazing. And he's listening to it. And he goes, Oh, yes, um, that's my daughter. And they went, hang on, she's been in this chef for the last month and you tell us now. You're... And he was like, I didn't think it was a big deal. <sighs> so, you know, the perception of um, sort of uh, success to different generations is so different. And then after that, you realise, oh, OK, it's a TV programme. Once it was over, he's like, OK, whatever. And now... He is my biggest fan. He's my biggest cheerleader, my biggest follower on Instagram because everybody else around him is so proud and thinks, oh my God, your daughter's doing amazing things. And it's almost like he needed the sort of um, validation, reassurance, and from everyone else that it's okay. It's okay to break the mold. Yes, I'm Asian. I might not be a doctor, lawyer, dentist, I'm a cook. But right. actually, he, I think I educated him that it's okay. And, he, you know, one of the things he said to me, and he never writes nice things in a card or whatever. It's always like, Nisha, love from Nisha. It's very basic. And he wrote, it's nice to see you very happy. Like you have a weight lifted off your shoulders. You know, I am so proud of you. He has never said that in his life. He said that to me when I was forty. I just uh, went against the grain, so
0: yeah. I love that. That's my favourite part of a story. I remember when you told me that I almost had a tear in my eye because oh. I think it's I think it's really hard. So I also have two parents, very different um in their way of thinking and in their way of support. And um, I say that is because I know they both support me, but they support me in very different ways. So my mum will support me in everything I do. You know, I say I want to, like, climb a mountain. I want to go travelling by myself. Whatever it was that I wanted to do, she'd be like, I back you 100%. She'd always be doubtful. But my dad, if I present to him an idea, I need to make sure I'm presenting it like a court of law. Because going <laughs> every single question, and I need to be there to answer it. And at first, I used to find this when I was younger, really overwhelming. You know, so my mum would be like, I want to test you on your homework. And I'd be like, yeah, sure. And I know that even if I didn't know the answer, I could be like, oh, look over there. Or, you know, let me worm my way out of this. And she would be like, okay, it's fine. Don't worry, you don't know it. It's okay. But my dad would be like, why don't you know it? Why haven't you studied? And so when I presented them with ideas that I have, I know my mom will always support me, which is what I need. But my dad will always be the one that's going to make sure I succeed. Because he will ask me all those questions that someone else will. And if I'm kind of bulletproofed by those questions, then I won't be able to go, ahead with the idea so I think when you're younger it's very easy to see parents as like good and bad and like the good cop bad cop you know we almost talk about that a lot right you know who's going to be the good cop who's going to be the bad cop but I think it's really important to have both sides because I realize that both are supporting you because they're just giving you different perspectives and different levels of care based on what they believe is right and like you said and I think this is the best point you've made is every generation has a different meaning of what success is. Yeah. You know, every, every, every single individual defines success in a different way. But more importantly, generationally, we're seeing that gap. And it's about educating each other and being understanding with each other. And that, you know, all of our past, I'm sure when I have kids, they're going to think success is completely different to what I think it is. And yeah. it's really all about learning and molding your way into understanding what's right for that individual person rather than what's right for you if you're that person does that make sense if
1: you're oh, totally a totally and, and I oh my god and that's really hit home with me because now I'm a parent I'm questioning my parenting skills and how I'm mm-hmm. approaching my kids and I think even in this generation quite generation and success in my generation like the mums around me and parents around me everyone's very sort of academic and let's send our school mm-hmm. uh, our, our kids to the best school let's do this. and of course that's all really important because I feel like my parenting approach with what I've been through is a lot more casual it's a lot more about well what makes you really happy what do you want to do you know you can it, it, it's really sort of like I'm not pinning everything on academics because I know that's really important but I've really discovered personality and like you know just be doing something that you're really good at skill set doesn't necessarily have to come from oh, academics so oh, I've oh, kind so. of calmed down a little bit when just oh you have to get 10 out of 10 and A's mm-hmm. and everything I've really changed I'm really casual about that and I think you know people in my generation probably look at me going oh you're really, you know, you're really laid back about it. all, But I feel like I've got the best out of my kids that way more because the other approach didn't work for me. Whereas, yeah, so me and my husband are different. So he might be a little bit more pushy. And yeah, it's really important to have both. But it's funny how just in my generation now, the uh, parents around us, like how we all still think differently. And some of those old-fashioned, there's nothing wrong with them, those old-fashioned views of success and just academics is still very, very existent. And that pushing of, you know, the the top five careers is still there we're still not breaking mold you know it's still like you know he he or she will go to Cambridge or Oxford and do medicine or dentistry and it is still there so we still got a lot of work to do where it's Mm -hmm. kind of like let them follow their dreams you know even it doesn't matter if they're not the richest in the world but you know that richness will come from that happiness of having something that fulfills their soul because I had that career where, you know, it was great pay, but was I happy? Did it feel my soul? Absolutely not. And now, look, you're
0: doing something you love and you're getting paid even more. So I think the point is, is that there's different options, there's different avenues. Like you've just said, education is one, something else could be the other. You know, there, there are different options and we just need to explore them, but... I've loved this podcast. I feel like we've had so many amazing points. And, you know, I have to clip the podcast down into reels and I don't actually know which, which one I'm going to do because all of this has been been so great. So oh, really? I'm so grateful. Thank you for making the time. I know you're super busy with The Secret Garden and everyone
1: who hasn't been, make sure you go. I still need to come, actually. I've just oh, seen on Instagram and it looks amazing. So... Yeah, just to touch on that point, and that's why I created The Secret Garden because I felt like, because I was constantly cooking for celebrities, not being able to cook for everyone. I thought, how can I get an element of that? for everyone else um nice. so that was a lockdown project it's a place where people reunite it's based on the book it's all about just celebrating and most people that come there are celebrating mm-hmm. and it's ageless people come with their mums their dads their grandmas they come with you know their husbands their friends everybody and anyone comes just to be together and it's nice. an it's an instagrammable place but i made it like yeah, that because <laughs> when, when they look back on their photo feed they'll it stands out and you'll always have a picture of you at the secret garden that's what it was for because sometimes it's not just about feeding people it's about how you've made them feel and yes. how they, they you know the experience and um so yeah that that's the secret garden there you go love you It's on the book. how lovely I love,
0: yeah. I love that book
1: yeah it's on the book it's about yes. healing and the uh, yeah, healing powers of the garden so I'd love to invite you to come down please I I'd love to feed you sure. and continue more chats because I think we could chat forever we could we could we're could. so like minded and I really, Absolutely. you've been, you've been wonderful. Like to, you know, interviewer is that? Yeah, you've been amazing. Yes. It's just flowed really naturally, and I haven't felt like there's been questions where I have, you know, I've just yeah. treated this like a chat, and that like, it's just been so authentic, and I've enjoyed it very much. So thank you so oh, am So glad, and hopefully I will see you soon. Absolutely, thank Bye. you. Bye.